You are now listening to the Diet Doc Movement Podcast. A show all about macros, mindset, and movement hosted by us, Alexa Miller and Meredith River. Hey everybody, it's Meredith and Alexa back on the mic with the Diet Doc Movement Podcast. And we have yet another wonderful guest, Christy Messerly. And she is a registered dietitian that I've actually gotten to know really well these past few months. And we have brought her on because she is a diabetes educator with a focus in blood sugar management. And if you've worked with us at all these last few months, you know the importance of balancing your blood sugar, regardless of any diagnosis of diabetes or not. So we figured let's bring in an expert to talk on the subject. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about what got you into the field of dietetics. So I actually wanted to go to school to be a nurse. And then when I got to school, I was like, "Mm, I don't really want to be a nurse anymore. And so I went to kind of a similar field, but a little bit different. Um, And so I ended up majoring in nutrition and then graduated and became a dietitian. And then when I graduated, I actually started working at a tribal health center serving like the Native American community where um, the diabetes epidemic is pretty high. And so um, I, right away, I haven't, well, I have an aunt who's a dietitian. And when I started there, she's like, you need to start logging your hours to become a diabetes educator. Like that's like the area you want to be in. I'm like, okay. I had never even thought about going into like diabetes at all. Um, And so I quickly just like loved the education around diabetes management and how much like food affects, food and exercise like affect our blood sugars. And um, so I started logging my hours and be, and then passed my exam to be a diabetes educator. Um, And then in the same breath, like I was working in like a very clinical setting. um, And I felt that my hands were really tied by like what I had to teach because that's what the doctors were referring patients to me. So for example, um, like I would get a patient who like their lab work would look beautiful And the doctor would refer them for like weight loss and the patient would come to my office and they're like, oh, I don't really know why I need to lose weight. Like my labs are great. And I'm like, well, do you want weight loss? Like, and they're like, no. And so I kind of got in this like pickle where I was like, you know, I wanted to like, kind of give people like body autonomy. Like if they want to lose weight, awesome. If they don't great, you know, I wanted the goal to be more focused on like their blood sugar management and do they know how to get that balance or, you know, you know, or help them get there. And so that's when I created like my own business, because I knew that working in clinical, I was always going to have my hands tied by like what doctors wanted me to see those patients for. It didn't really resonate with me. So here I am. Christy, I would love for you to dive in just for our listeners and explain because there's two different types of diabetes and a lot of people don't understand the difference. Yeah. And actually there's like seven different kinds of diabetes, which just is really, kidding. There's seven. Yeah, isn't that crazy, <laughs> but we'll just stick with like the two main ones. Um, we'll stick with the two main ones, which is like type one and type two. So type one is like an autoimmune condition where like the pancreas is like no longer making insulin at all. So they have to have endogenous insulin, meaning they have to be giving themselves insulin. Um, and so that's type one. We, it's also known as like juvenile diabetes. Cause usually it happens in like childhood adolescent. Um, and then type two is, um, not autoimmune meaning your body is still making insulin, but your cells are very resistant to that insulin. So your blood sugars just kind of remain high. And that usually happens in like 
later adult years, although we are seeing it in like teenagers and adolescent years, which we never used to see before. Diabetics, and I'd say like wellness professionals um, have an understanding of the importance of insulin and our intake and movement and all that. But can you go into explain the kind of the importance and, and why we need to have insulin in order to regulate health and body composition. So those that aren't diagnosed, why is it still important for them as something to monitor or track? So if I were to eat a banana and that banana gets broken down, the sugar from the banana goes into my bloodstream. And at the same time that happens, my pancreas then releases insulin at the same time. So this is happening in, um, an individual who does not have diabetes, this is happening all the time. Your food gets broken down the, and right when your body senses an increase in your sugar, the pancreas releases insulin at the same time, the insulin and the sugar bind together. The insulin helps the sugar get into our cells to be utilized for energy, whether it's like exercise or just like getting up for the day or taking an exam. I mean, we need energy constantly throughout the day. So we need that process to be happening all the time, very regularly. When that's not happening and the sugar is just sitting in our bloodstream, that's when we feel really tired and fatigued. We just don't feel well. We don't really feel like we can get through a workout. We don't feel like we can even get up in, during the day. In someone who doesn't have diabetes, I don't feel that they need to be like wear, like monitoring their blood sugars, checking their blood sugars, wearing a continuous glucose monitor, nothing like that. But it's just something to be aware of that, um, you know, even for like blood sugars aside, if we're eating like more balanced meals, moving our bodies, if we don't have diabetes, that's going to keep us really insulin sensitive, which is the opposite of insulin resistant. Um, so, and then we just feel more like satiated after meals as well. So, so how I tell someone who has diabetes to eat is the same way I would tell anyone how to eat because it just keeps you fueled throughout the day. It keeps that whole mechanism going of like insulin and blood sugar kind of working together. Um, and it keeps your energy levels up, whether you have diabetes or not. Christy, it's funny you brought that up. So I have been experimenting I have a continuous glucose monitor. Mm -hmm. And first I just want to say, it's so crazy that like in a society, like how much we get judged for for, for wanting to prevent something, right? Like here I am wearing this. I don't have diabetes, but I just really want to learn. I want to see how food affects my mm -hmm. body and what foods and what forms and yeah. how many people have made comments like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? And I'm like, why is this a negative thing? Like I'm yeah. learning. This is like a preventative thing. I want to see, you know, I want to learn. I want knowledge, right? For me, I'm a little data freak. So just test out different foods. And like you said, it came down to, you know, I worked for a few months, came down to when I eat balanced meals, good things happen. When I don't, they don't. Right. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's not like I learned anything crazy. Um, but it kind of just solidifies like what we teach our clients and kind of how we operate ourselves. But it was very interesting just to test out some different foods and things like that. But it's funny that you brought that up. Yeah. And I were, I also wore a CGM for a couple of weeks. Cause I had a company like ask me to wear one and then like report my results or whatever. So I did. And it was really interesting. Like certain things that I take, like when I was on my period, my blood sugars were more elevated. I mean, sure. They're not as elevated as someone who's living with diabetes, but it was just interesting to see that, like, even in someone who doesn't have diabetes, that when I was menstruating, my blood sugars were more elevated, which happens in someone who has diabetes and they get really frustrated 
when they are on their period and their blood sugars are higher and they're like, I'm not doing anything different. I'm like, it's so hormonal, hormonal. It doesn't have to do with like what you eat or your movement. It really just has to do with like these hormones that are occurring. Same with like first thing in the morning. I don't know if you experienced that Alexa, when you wake up in the morning, if your blood sugar is a little bit higher than it is throughout the rest of the day, that's super common also due to hormones, but also I I noticed that when I was, when I had my CGM on that in the mornings, my blood sugars were a little bit more elevated than the rest of the day. And my clients have the same problem and it has to do with like hormones. So it's just interesting to see like those hormonal things can happen in any body at any size with any diagnosis. It really doesn't matter. The, some of those mechanisms are exactly the same. We are firm believers on helping educate our clients on not just the physiology, but the psychology of, you know, the world of nutrition and dieting and fitness and all of that, because like you had mentioned with your menstrual cycle, so often that's when we find, especially in in our line of work with fat loss clients, that that's when, you know, they say, oh, my willpower, I just don't have any willpower and I'm not motivated. And then they're leaning on more of these like psychological components of like me, 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 what am I doing wrong? Like I don't have X, Y, and Z in order to attain, you know, ABC. But when we start to talk about things like hormones, sleep cycles, menstruation, and now, I mean, I've really integrated the conversation around blood sugar regulation and how like, Hey, if we're not eating balanced meals, it's not just going to make maybe fat loss a little bit harder, but energy is going to be lower. So we're not going to want to perform in the gym. And there's this ripple effect. Can you speak onto the importance of balancing our blood sugar just outside of, you know, oh, you'll be healthier if you do. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I tell people is that we're as a society, we're so used to under eating. And I think you guys probably see this often where there's like so much under eating, which like ends up leading to overeating. I mean, like we've all been there where like, we're like, oh, I'll eat breakfast later, or I'll eat my lunch later. I'm going to skip breakfast just because you're busy. And then all of a sudden you're like ravenous and you're eating anything because you're so hungry that can fluctuate, that can make your blood sugars fluctuate tremendously, but it also just kind of makes like your satiety fluctuate. Like if you are eating like most days of the week, eating like a balanced breakfast, balanced lunch, balanced snacks and balanced dinner, you notice throughout the day, your cravings are a lot less. You're not having like these random binges where you're just like, I'm so freaking hungry. Like I'll eat anything. So we've all been there and that feels absolutely horrible. And so just eating through eating consistently throughout the day, eating enough and, um, not under eating, which ends up leading to overeating can really help balance your blood sugars and also just balance your satiety levels and your energy levels. I mean, I don't think that there's like a perfect way of eating. And I know that that's not ideal for everyone 24 seven, like 365. But I think that we've just become so accustomed to like skipping breakfast, skipping lunch, really overeating at dinner, really overeating at our snacks because we're just so hungry. Um, and then I think people feel like, oh, I can't regulate my blood sugars. Oh my gosh, I can't lose weight. Oh my gosh, I can't. Like, I'm just so hungry all the time. But I, but when you dig deeper and you guys probably see this all the time too, it's like, because there's so many misconceptions around food and how much we should be eating. And I always tell people like, when you're adding more to your meals, instead of constantly thinking like, oh, how can I eat less and less and less? If you think like, okay, I have this like piece of toast for breakfast. That's sufficient. Like that is not a sufficient breakfast. And instead of thinking like, oh, I need to always eat low calorie when you're eating more balanced, like what kind of protein and fat can I already add to this toast that I enjoy eating? You just notice that your energy levels are so much more stable throughout the day and you're not as hungry and you don't notice like those 
binges that you're just starving come dinner time. We've also, as a society, gotten so accustomed to just like feeling like shit and being okay with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but we don't know how good we feel until we feel good. And that takes effort. And, you know, in all, all of our lines of work, it takes a lot of education around learning. Okay, really? A, why was I feeling the way I was feeling? And learning the steps to move away from that left feeling and yeah. then realizing, oh, I can make the decisions to feel good. You know, yeah. And that's something I've really like dug into with, uh, now that I'm pregnant, I like, oh, I forgot how, how yes. terrible it feels when like, you don't balance your blood sugar strictly out of survival. Like, okay, I, I don't want to eat anything, but I need to eat enough. So I feel okay enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I, again, people just aren't educated by no fault of their own. It's just not our standard in society, unfortunately. So what would be, I would say like two or three tangible actions that somebody could take to start to balance their blood sugar more readily? Oh my gosh. I mean, like the most simple of things. And I mean, when I say simple, I mean for anybody. So one thing is like to move your body, like the more you move your body, even if it's 10, if you're used to sitting at a desk job and not moving your body, even 15 minutes a day, even going on a walk for 15 minutes really helps us become more insulin sensitive, which is the opposite of insulin resistant. When we're insulin resistant, that insulin and the sugar just sit in our bloodstream. It does not get into our cells. So I like to tell people that when you're moving your body, you're kind of, you're teaching your muscles to kind of act like a sponge to like take up that sugar. That's just kind of sitting in your bloodstream to use it as energy for that workout, for that walk, whatever, you know, for that gardening that you're deciding to do, whatever it is. So I would say that number one would be just to move your body, whatever you're doing now, add 15 minutes to that. Like if you are, you know, exercising 30 minutes a day, add 15 minutes to that. Um, if you're not exercising at all, start with 15 minutes. And then I would say number two would be, um, to focus on what you can add to your plate versus what you need to take away. I think that people think like the less I eat, the better I need to eat less, eat less, eat less. And, um, that's never going to really set you up for success and everyone's goals are different, but instead of thinking to eat less, I try and tell people, how can you eat more balanced? If you're, if you only have like a protein source at your meal, what would make that more balanced? What would make that meal more satisfying and hold you over to your next meal? Or, you know, if people are only focused on carbs or only focused on fat. Um, so I think the two goals would be to have more balanced meals where you're including all of your macronutrients, the protein, fat, and carbohydrate, and to move your body 10 to 15 minutes a day. If you're currently not moving your body at all. Have you found any correlation with fiber intake and blood sugar management? Oh yes. Oh man. I love to talk about fiber. Um, so yeah, most of my clients actually eat really low fiber until it's like brought to their attention. And I feel like just in general, I don't know what the statistic is, but I know in general, as a society, we don't eat enough fiber. So the more fiber you eat because fiber is a type of carbohydrate that is not digested. It just really helps slow the whole digestion process process down. So for instance, if I'm eating oatmeal by itself, which is primarily a carbohydrate. It does have some fiber in it. My blood sugars are going to spike rather quickly just because that is like metabolically how we break down carbohydrates. It's just going to kind of spike. But if I were to add chia seeds to that oatmeal, which is a great source of fiber, 
that digestion process is just a lot slower. So instead of my blood sugar just kind of spiking and dropping really quickly by eating something like oatmeal by itself or toast by itself, or even like a bagel or a donut by itself, um, all of those are broken down the same way. You know, the sugar in those is broken down the exact same way. So when you're adding fiber to it, you're really telling your body like, this whole thing is just going to slow down. This digestion process is really going to slow down. So you notice a lot less blood sugar spikes and drops like this large spike and large drop. Instead, it's like, it's a lot more gradual. So, I mean, yeah, anytime people can add fiber to their meals, I usually focus on fiber kind of like last because usually people just have a really hard time, like getting all three of those macronutrients in. But once they include fiber, they notice that their blood sugars are significantly better one thing I noticed when I was wearing my monitor was um, I even played around with the the foods and what order I ate them and when I would eat like my broccoli and then my protein and then maybe my sweet potato or baked potato my blood sugar was a lot lower than it was if I reversed that same thing like I love watermelon especially when I was pregnant Meredith um, but in the summertime and I did a little test run with that as well and I just had a bowl of watermelon And then I paired it next with, um, I think I had it with cottage cheese. And it was just amazing the difference in that as well when you pair it with something else. So I already knew that obviously before I got the monitor, um, but it just reiterates enough like that that's one thing that's just, that's the easiest starting point I feel like with clients is like, let's just look at your meals. What are you missing at each meal? Like how can we make that more balanced? You'll just feel so, so much better, like you said. So I was one that was guilty too. Like I would snack on like, you know, what's the lowest calorie? Oh, I will have just an apple. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm still hungry. It's yeah, 10, 10 minutes, yeah. but I'm starving so still. Yeah. And like, that's no fault of our own. I feel like that's just like what we're taught and it's just wrong. Like it's just, it just is never gonna, like no one's ever gonna eat an apple and be like, mm, I am full. Like that's gonna get me to dinner. Like no one says that, but I think people think that that's normal and it isn't like, if I'm like, if I eat an apple with like peanut butter, which is like my favorite snack, I will totally feel satisfied. Maybe not for like hours, but I will feel satisfied for like two hours. Like if I'm waiting to get to dinner or whatever, but nobody is satisfied by like a piece of fruit, you know, like, because there's no protein, there's no fat, there's nothing in it. That's like keeping us full and satiated. Like it, it's a good snack, but when you're not adding stuff to it, like we're going to be hungry shortly after. Yeah. I think I had a client like, tell me, I'm like, well, tell me about what, what, what are your snacks? Like, she's like, well, I'm at the computer. I just like to munch on like celery or a cucumber. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that doesn't oh. do that. Like you cannot feel satiated. Tell me like, you're just, you, you just want to eat the whole thing all day long because you just are going to be hungry and hungry and hungry. You're never going to get full. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's low calorie, but it's also like low protein, low fat, low carb. Like it's literally all those things. Like no one's going to feel satisfied by that. And I think people think like, oh, something's wrong with me. Like I can't just like snack on fruits and vegetables throughout the day. Like I, you know, and they feel so hungry and I'm like, it's not you. Like that's not a you problem. Those it's like an 80 calorie, like an apple's like 80 calories. And it's such a quick acting carbohydrate, right? Like it's when we eat it, our blood sugars are going to kind of spike and go right back down. And right when our blood sugars are coming down is when we're going to start feeling hungry. So instead of that, like spike and drop, we want to think like, what can I add to this? That's going to cause that drop to be a lot like longer, like take a lot more time. I love when clients learn that side of nutrition and then they feel empowered by it where it's like, Oh wait, like I can be in control of my energy. I don't like Starbucks doesn't have to be in control of it anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's funny too. When we first start with clients, you know, they look at their plate and they're like, apple, 
peanut butter orange and now they're like carbohydrate carbohydrate mostly fat and a little bit of protein you know it's funny over the years how we I do I look at my plate and I'm like okay what is missing I'm not like mac and cheese potato I'm like carb carb with a little bit more carb yeah so Christy um how can our listeners continue this conversation with you or continue to learn from you yeah, mainly on Instagram is my main. I don't have like a Facebook or anything like that. Um, so on Instagram, I'm at type two diabetes dot nutritionist. That's my Instagram handle. Um, I have tons of like courses and coaching on this exact thing. I primarily focus with people with prediabetes and type two diabetes. Um, but even with a family history of diabetes, this this like prevention is key. Education is key because people. I think what it's like some crazy statistic, like one out of three people have prediabetes and don't even know that they have it. That's pretty crazy. And so if you even have a family history of it, like that education is so, so important because genetics plays a huge factor. And if you follow Christy on Instagram, you will be sure to start to build that wealth of knowledge around blood sugar management and just diabetes advocacy in general. So thank you so much for spreading the wealth of knowledge. Yes. Thank you guys for having me.